Good morning. It's nine o'clock and we are calling to order the planning director hearing of November 29th, 2023. My name is Robert Manford and I'm the hearing officer for today's agenda on behalf of and delegated by the director of planning, building and code enforcement, Mr. Christopher Burton. First meeting is being held via Zoom conference call. Members of the public may participate by following the instructions listed on page two of the agenda. If you would like to provide public comments, you have two methods to do so. One, for participants who joined electronically and have audio input available on their computer or smartphone, they can use the raise hand feature in Zoom during the item that they would like to speak to or click star nine on their phone. Please remember to keep your raise hand feature on until planning support staff identifies your turn to speak. Two, during the meeting, you may call 408-535-3505. Again, the phone number is 408-535-3505 or email planning support staff at sanjoseca.gov. Again, the email address is planning support staff, one word, at sanjoseca.gov and identify your name that is listed on Zoom, phone number that you like to call into Zoom with, and what item or items that you like to comment on. All members of the public will remain on mute until the individual, individual identifies they would like to speak and they are unmuted. Planning support staff will identify you by name when it's your turn to speak. At that time, you will be unmuted and can provide comment for the allotted period of time. If you exceed your allotted time, you may be muted so we can move on to the next speaker. Please note the following. I will identify each project as described on the agenda. For those items on the consent calendar, I will ask if anyone wishes to speak on the item. If a separate discussion is warranted, I will move the item to the public hearing portion of the agenda. If a separate discussion is not needed, the item will remain on the consent calendar for approval. For those items listed on the public hearing, I will ask staff to provide a brief report the applicant or their representative who wishes to speak on the item will have up to five minutes to speak and should identify themselves by stating their name for the record. After the applicant or their representative has spoken, any member of the public who wishes to speak on the item may provide testimony for up to two minutes per speaker, either for or against the project. All members of the public should identify their name for the record, although it's not required. Following comments from the public, the applicant may make additional remarks for up to five minutes. I will then close the public hearing and I may ask staff to answer questions, respond to comments made by the applicant or the public, or further discuss the item. I will then take action on the item. If you challenge these land use decisions in court, you may be limited to raising only those issues you or someone else raised at this public hearing or in written correspondence delivered to the city at or prior to this public hearing. The planning director's actions on the agenda items will be final when the permit is signed and mailed, unless the permit or the environmental clearance determination is appealed. The planning director's actions on the permits are appealable in accordance with the requirements of Title 20 of the city's municipal code, which is the zoning ordinance. The planning director's actions on the environmental review for the permits under the California Environmental Quality Act, CEQA, are separately appealable in accordance with the requirements of Title 21 of the city's municipal code, environmental clearance. Before we begin, I want to remind members of the public to follow our code of conduct at meetings. This includes commenting on the specific agenda item only. Public speakers will not engage in a conversation with the hearing officer. 
The hearing officer staff and the public are expected to refrain from abusive language. Repeated failure to comply with the code of conduct, which will disturb, disrupt, or impede the orderly conduct of this meeting may result in removal from the meeting. This meeting of the director hearing will now come to order. So we'll start today's uh, meeting with item number two, deferrals. Any item scheduled for hearing this morning for which deferral to a future meeting date is being requested will be moved to this portion of the agenda and considered on the matter of deferral. I do not see any items listed under deferrals, but I'll still go ahead and open the public hearing for the matter of deferrals. Does staff or any person in the audience wish to speak to the matter of deferring any item on this agenda? I do not see any hands raised. Support staff, have you been contacted? No, we have not. Thank you. I'll wait for a few moments. Again, does staff or anyone in the audience wish to speak to the matter of deferrals or deferring any item on this agenda? Hearing or seeing none, the matter of deferral is now closed and we'll move on to consent calendar, item number three. We do have one item under the consent calendar, which is 3A, PD23-007 and ER23-044. This is a planned development permit to allow a 1,719 square foot re-addition to a 3,745 square foot two-story single family residence listed as an identified structure on the city's historic resources inventory on a 0.43 gross acre site located at 1331 Pine Avenue within the city's council district six. Staff recommendation for this item is the consideration of the CEQA exemption and approval of a planned development permit. Does staff or anyone in the audience wish to speak to this item number 3A, PD 23-007 and ER 23-044? I do not see any raised hands. Support staff, have you been contacted? No, we have not. Thank you. Again, regarding item number 3A on the consent calendar, the staff or anyone in the audience wish to speak to this item? Hearing or seeing none, item number 3A, PD 23-007 and ER 23-044 is hereby approved. I'll wait for support staff, staff to show that on the on the screen. Thank you, support staff. Item number 3A is hereby approved. We will now move on to number four, public hearing. We do have four items under public hearing. The first one is item number 4A, H22-035 and ER22-219. This is a site development permit to allow the construction of a 216,252 square foot industrial building and the removal of 30 trees, 23 ordinance size and seven non-ordinance size, located at the western corner of the intersection of Tenant Avenue and PSC Road, specifically 644 to 675 PSC Road within the city's council district two. Staff recommendation 
is the consideration of the 644-675 PSC Road Industrial Project Initial Study Mitigated Negative Declaration in accordance with CEPA and approval of the Site Development Permit. At this point, I would like to call on the project manager, Jason Lee, to present the project. Jason? Good morning, hearing officer. Um, I would like to share a presentation. Thank you. All right. Um, good morning, everyone. My name is Jason Lee, project manager for this file. Um, this project is a site development permit for the construction of a new warehouse at 644 and 675 Piercy Road. First, I need to make a slight clarification regarding the agenda for the record. Uh, this project was deferred from the November 15th director's hearing, not November 14th, as it says on the agenda. Thank um, you, Jason. That is noted and uh, accepted into the record. Okay. Uh, additionally, I will mention in advance, the applicant team for this project is Eric Schenauer, Teresa Goodwin, and Jeff Bean. Support staff, can you promote their applicant's representatives? All right. So this is the project. Um, as the hearing officer stated. Um, this project was evaluated with respect to the general plan, the municipal code, the Edenville area development policy, the citywide design guidelines, city council policies, and CEQA. The site has a general plan designation of industrial park and is in the IP industrial park zoning district. The project is also located within sub area three of the Edenville area development policy. The project has an FAR of 0 0.32, which is allowed by the general plan and the area development policy. The operational intent of the building is a warehouse distribution center, which is a permitted use. And the project meets the maximum height and setbacks set out in the zoning code and also complies with lighting, landscaping, shower and changing room, off-street loading space, and vehicle, bicycle, and motorcycle parking requirements. Um, sorry. This project has been granted two exceptions to the CY design guidelines to allow for two truck driveways on Hellier Avenue, which improves truck circulation at the site while avoiding truck traffic on Tennant Avenue and Piercy Road, and to allow vehicular access on more than one street in order to segregate truck and vehicle traffic at the site and the surrounding area. The project complies with the citywide design guidelines regarding tree canopy coverage, low impact development site design measures, articulation, and building entrances along a public street. Um, I will now hand it over to Court Hitchens, the environmental project manager for the environmental review. Thank you, Jason, and good morning, hearing officer and everyone on the call this morning. Um, so this um, project was reviewed um, under CEQA and an initial study uh, mitigated negative declaration or ISMND was prepared. Um, the ISMND was publicly circulated um, from September 27th to October 17th of 2023. During that public comment period, four comment letters were received from PG&E, Valley Water, um, California Department of Fish and Wildlife, and a union's legal representative. Um, those four letters did not result in any substantial changes to the ISMND, and also a um, all comments were during, received during the circulation period were addressed by staff in a formal response to comments document. 
that was posted on the city's website on November 14th. Also, just to note, we did receive two additional letters from the um, union's legal representative and um, another letter from Valley Water outside of the public comment period. Um, and those were also posted to the city's website. Um, the ISMND found that impacts related to air quality, biological resources, cultural resources, hazards and hazardous materials, and transportation um, have the potential to um, impact environmental resources um, with development of the project. However, with implementation of identified mitigation measures, um, including those that are all provided in the MMRP uh, for the project and the city standard permit conditions, um, all identified impacts would be able to be reduced to a less than significant level and no significant and unavoidable impacts would result um, from development of the project. Thank you, Jason. All right, thank you, Court. Um... So for this project, staff followed City Council Policy 6-30 for public outreach as a large development project under the council policy. A community meeting was held on January 30th, 2023 over Zoom, and six on-site signs were posted on the project frontages. This hearing was noticed at a radius of 1,000 feet. Uh, staff received comments during the community meeting and during project review regarding environmental study at the aggregate level truck traffic and bike lanes around the project site, transportation improvements at the tenant Hellier Silicon Valley Basking Ridge intersection, and noise. Um, environmental review was conducted at an aggregate level, taking into account other proposed or approved industrial projects along Piercy and Hellier. Truck traffic for this project will only be allowed to enter and exit on Hellier Avenue. The Piercy and tenant entrances will be for vehicular traffic only, which is conditioned in the permit. Sidewalks and class four protected bike lanes have been conditioned along the project frontages on Piercy, Tennant, and Hellier. The project does not include transportation improvements at the Hellier Silicon Valley intersection, but these were conditioned for a prior project, H22 015, at 550 Piercy Road. For noise, conditions related to construction related noise are included in the permit, including the limitation of construction hours from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. within 500 feet of a residential unit and the appointment of a construction disturbance coordinator. The project must follow the noise standards in the zoning code, which is a maximum of 55 decibels at an adjacent residential property line. Um, therefore, staff recommends that it Director, consider the MND for this project and the related MMRP and approve the site development permit. Thank you. Thank you, Jason and Court. At this point, uh, I believe the applicants and their representatives are here. So if they would like to speak, uh, support staff, can you uh, promote them so we can hear from the applicants? It's going to be. Eric Schenauer, uh Teresa Goodwin, and Jeff Beaton. Good morning, Mr. Herring Officer. Eric Schenauer, um, representing the applicant on this project. Um, Good morning, Eric. Yeah, we uh, first we just want to thank city staff for all of their work to analyze the project and bring this forward to hearing. And uh, we will reserve our comments until after uh, public we will respond to public comments uh, if they are made. Thank you.
Thank you. Anybody else on the developer side? Oh, that's it, Mr. Shannon. That's it for now. Okay, thank you. At this point, support staff, can you check and see, I do see two hands up, if you could have those potential commenting parties uh, speak. Two minutes per speaker. Yes. Um, second. Lillian, if you could unmute your device. Yes, this is Lillian Koenig, a, a layperson from District 3. Um, my comment is to Mr. Schauenhauer. Um, you know, you talked about <clears throat> the permit, the CEQA, and the environmental um, significant uh, impact that building a warehouse would have in that area. How do you, how can you, or how do you justify the removal of 30 trees? Some are ordinance and some are um, non-ordinance trees and have that mitigated in, in stating that in fact, it doesn't have an environmental impact. Um, you know, your your particular warehouse, I'm sure, is going to look wonderful, but why not incorporate those trees somehow when you're building? Why do we uh, constantly, and why is your particular um, uh, uh, endeavor removing those 30 trees? I, I can't understand that. It just blows my mind because... We have tree commissioners here. We have environmental people in the city. We are called Tree City USA. Um, we have our forest. And I didn't hear from one of those individuals or, or establishments in their comments. So when I look at you, I see, I see somebody who probably cares about the environment and probably has a, a good feel for trees in particular. Um, so how can you uh, justify that? And can you please comment on that? Thank you. Thank you, Lillian. Staff will uh, respond to that at the appropriate time during this hearing. Next speaker. Christine, go ahead and unmute your device and begin your comment. Hello, um, I just have one question. I wanted to know which entity performed the CEQA review? Um, was it the city or was it an independent agency? And if it was an independent agency, was it um, paid for by the developer? Thank you, Christine. Your comment will be responded to as part of this hearing. Uh, that concludes our speakers. Thank you. Support staff, and uh, thank you all the speakers who have uh, commented on this project. So uh, I would like to call on staff to uh, respond to some of the comments that have been raised. Uh, then we can also check to see whether the applicant has any responses in addition. But I believe this is something that staff will have to respond to. Um, good morning again, hearing officer Court Hitchens on the city's um, environmental review team, uh, otherwise the CEQA team, California Environmental Quality Act is um, the CEQA acronym. Um, so to address the first question on um, tree removals, um, so for, you know, development, of course, there may be trees existing on a parcel that um, an applicant would like to um, develop. So in order to address tree removals, um, we have both um, a city standard permit conditions um, to protect 
um, trees and require replacements of trees. And then we also have measures within the uh, mitigation monitoring and reporting program, the MMRP for the project um, that address um, tree surveys. Um, so a little more specifically, um, the city has a tree replacement ratio um, table and standard permit condition. Um, so for example, I'm just looking at this here, um, depending on the size of the tree, um, ordinance, non-ordinance, native, non-native, um, tree replacements are mitigated or replaced at um, standard ratios. Um, so it looks like 30 trees on site would be removed. Uh, 22 of those trees would be replaced at a four to one ratio. Two trees would be replaced at a three to one ratio. One tree would be replaced at a two to one ratio and two trees uh, would be replaced at a one to one ratio. Um, therefore, the total number um, of trees to be planted on the site is 94 trees um, at the 15 gallon um, planting size. And the project also includes planting of a total of 161 trees. Um, in a mix of 24 inch box and 15 gallon trees. Um, that's per the standard um, tree replacement um, ratios. And then also the MMRP um, requires surveys for the trees that would be removed. Um, basically it requires a qualified um, biologist um, to survey trees for any signs of um, nests from um, birds in the trees or um, anything like that prior to removal of those trees. We have um, standard timeframes and things like that um, to ensure that no nests are impacted uh, during nesting season. Um, and to address the second comment that we received uh, that I believe was who prepared the CEQA document. Um, so the city has um, a, a list of environmental consultants. So the uh, applicant team can select a consultant from the city's list. And then the city staff um, works in coordination with that uh, environmental consultant to prepare the CEQA document. Uh, that's all for me, I believe, hearing officer. Thank you. Thank you, Court. Uh, so uh, again, we've closed the public comment, but I needed to make a few clarifications here. Uh, Court, in terms of the numbers regarding tree removal and replacements, You've stated that this project comply fully complies with the city's tree replacement policy, correct? Yes, hearing officer, correct. Yes. And in terms of the numbers, although it's removing 30 trees, the replacement comes to 90 trees, correct? That's correct. Okay. So the definitely hearing uh, officer, the go ahead. Hearing yes. officer, the replacement requirement is 94 trees. Mm -hmm. um, the project is including the planting of 34 24 inch box trees and 112 15 gallon trees, which is 180 uh, replacement tree equivalents, which is almost double the um, required uh, replacement tree planting. And um, I would just like to add that the trees being removed, um, the ordinance size trees being removed are mostly at this corner here, which is uh, at the top um, near Piercy Road along the entranceway and within the parking and the building footprint. Um, and that is a sloped area, which is why um, the entranceway is required to be configured like this. 
Thank you. That fully answers my question, and I believe it fully addresses the concern of the commenting party. And also, with regards to the CEQA, uh, Mr. Keon, did you want to provide any additional information? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, so David Keon, Principal Planner on the City's Environmental Review Team. I want to just mention how the city does its CEQA review process and California Environmental Quality Act review process. So as Court said, um, the applicant will selects and hires their own, the consultant to prepare the document. However, the document is then reviewed and and it is part of the city's document. It becomes this, the city's review will make, ensure that there's no conflicts and that the document is prepared fully in compliance with CEQA as required by CEQA. So we do not we do not we do not allow any conflicts of interest. We make sure that there's full integrity in that analysis and that all impacts and mitigation measures are consistent with city standards. So, you know, this project, like other projects this city has gone through this process, um, we've reviewed we've we've gone through this process, reviewed and cleared this document for publication. Therefore, it is a city's document and is in full compliance of city standards. Thank you. So at this point, I would like to uh, check in with the applicant's team to see whether they do have any additional information to provide. Thank you, Mr. Hearing Officer. Just a couple of brief comments. One, uh, when you design a, a new site for development, uh, the grading is always a challenge. And that's what conflicts with many trees uh, because you have to, to design a site that works for stormwater flow of water. You have to design a site that works for ADA handicap access in terms of uh, slopes. Um, and, and of course you have to have a site that functions for its purpose. So because of that grading, that's usually what causes the need to remove trees. But as staff has clearly noted, the project is gonna have a dramatic net increase in trees that are there today. Um, so the project exceeds the city's tree replacement policy requirement, and there'll be far more trees in the future than there are now. Uh, and then just lastly, uh, all these decisions about CEQA impacts and mitigations are 100% the decision of the, the city's planning department and CEQA team. Uh, the project is compelled by state and city policy to follow the city's determination and mitigations. So with that, we hope that the project can be approved. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Shenawa. Okay. So I think I do have enough information here to make uh, a decision on item number 4A. Having heard from staff, uh, commenting parties from the public and the responses provided by staff, uh, in addition to the evidence before me, uh, item number 4A definitely uh, meets all the city's requirements and states' uh, planning laws and regulations as well. Uh, again, I would like to note that uh, the city takes its CEQA review very, very seriously. Uh, city has a, uh, a list of pre-qualified, and when I say pre-qualified, uh, it means they've been vetted to ensure that they can and are able to do the work. So we have a list of pre-qualified consultants. Uh, applicants are free to choose any of those consultants to prepare their CEQA documentation. And when they do, staff is required to thoroughly review them 
and also make a finding that it reflects the independent judgment of the city staff and everything that the city uh, needs to do. So uh, the documents are actually city documents as Mr. Keon, the principal planner, uh, noted. So on that note, item number 4AH22-035 and ER22-219 is hereby approved. I would like to wait until support staff shows that on the screen. Thank you, support staff. We will now move on to item number 4B on the public hearing. So item number 4B, SF23-016 and ER23-231. It's a category two historic single family house permit for window replacement, porch enclosure greater than 10%. Minor additions and other related exterior work on a 0.15 gross acre site located at 1268 Sierra Avenue within the city's council district six. Staff recommendation is consideration of the CEQA exemption and approval of the single family house permit. I would like to call on the project manager, Alex Hughes to make a presentation on the project. Good morning, hearing officer. My name is Alex Hughes planner with PBCE, and I'm the project manager for SF23-016, which is a single-family residence located at 1268 Sierra Avenue. The property is a residential lot of about 0.15 acres. It's part of the Hanchett and Hester Park Conservation Area and is listed on the Historic Resources Inventory as an identified structure. A Category 2 single-family house permit is required for a porch enclosure of more than 10% to a historic resource. Uh, several changes to the house were made without permits including a porch enclosure, uh, exterior rock facade, uh, and new windows and doors. The proposed project seeks to rectify these changes done without permit and bring the property into conformance with our code and historic standards with newly proposed windows, doors, and exterior materials. Uh, staff has determined the proposed changes are consistent with the historic preservation design guidelines, which includes neighborhood compatibility and consistency with the architectural style of the house, and staff is therefore recommending approval of the permit and is available for questions. Thank you, Alex. At this point, is the project applicant present? And if so, would they like to speak? Alex, is the project applicant present? Um, I see Yoon Zhu and I think Sam Construction is also uh, Sam Bai, who would be the, uh, the property owner um, I don't see Hong Chen on here. It might be just Hong in the uh, attendees. So first off, can you uh, promote them? Okay. Um, Alex, can you mention the names again? So suppose staff can do. Really I think them. I got them. Um, yes. They just need to move over now. Did you need me to list them again, Danielle? No, I've promoted them. Um, okay. They just need to accept the promotion. Um, otherwise, I can unmute them as well. Okay. 
Um, it's also my understanding that Hong may be interpreting for Sam. Um, just FYI. Okay. Uh, me. Supposed to have, are they ready? Uh, hello? Hello? Yeah, I'm Sam. So, the property owner. Hi, Sam. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, sir, you know, my English is not really well. So I just write down the words when the the, the letters to the Alexander. Can I just so so up for the in the email? Yes. Alex, I, is this something you can read? I, yeah, I I do I do see it here. Let me open that up. Um would you like me to read that for Sam then? Uh, yes, please go ahead. Okay. Yeah, thank you. One one second. Okay, so I'm gonna read this on behalf of Sam. It says, hello everyone, I'm Sam, and I'd like to explain the process I took for renovating this house. In 2020, when I purchased the house, this con its condition was extremely poor, having not undergone any renovations for over a century. The cracking windows and broken glass made it unlivable. There were other numerous damages and it did not comply with modern fire safety, let alone energy efficiency requirements. Therefore, I attempted to apply for a permit to replace the windows. Due to pandemic lockdown and the house uh, being a historical home, the permit application process took a long time. Consequently, I proceeded with window replacements and some other modifications while waiting for permit. Uh, now I'm working with the city code enforcement department to bring the house into compliance with their requirements. When I finished the house remodeling, all neighbors passing by giving me thumbs up because it brings a better look to the neighborhood. However, due to the difficult relationship with my immediate right neighbor, it has made the whole process complex and long. I'd like to explain to you the pain and suffering I've been enduring resulted from my neighbor's hostility. And that concludes his letter. Thank you. At this point, are there any other commenting parties from the public? And if so, uh, support staff, can you call them one by one? Yes, Christine, um, go ahead and unmute your device. Hi, um, I am not the neighbor that he's speaking of, um, but I'd like to say when the property was purchased, it was very livable. There had been um, an elderly couple living there with a caretaker for quite some time. So I'm kind of curious about that. Um, it was a three bedroom, one bathroom house. And now with the uh, permit saying the original house was a three bedroom, two bathroom, um, I think that that was already altered without a permit, but beyond that, um, the changes to the house were done by a general contractor who has passed a license um, exam with the state of California and is well aware of the process of getting permits and getting work done correctly. So the, he's not a homeowner that lives there, um, contrary to what might be said, um, the house is being used as a three unit Airbnb. So in effect, it is a triplex, not a single family home. And the neighbors are trying to protect the integrity of our historic designation 
And also um, the neighborhood feel of this property has been denigrated because of the way the property is being used. Um, the changes that he has made, they're, um, they're being legalized without actually being altered significantly. There is uh, the front entry has been dramatically changed. And in the fact that it's going to be approved as is, but basically a removal of the facade, the stone facade, but just being stuccoed, um, will not actually change the way the front of the house looks to make it conform to the historic quality of the neighborhood. So um, I'm running out of time, but I think that there's some other neighbors that are going to also speak. Thank you, Christine. Okay, um, Madeline. Hi there, this is Madeline Randall. I'm a neighbor morning, of the, uh, good morning. Uh, I live on Sierra Avenue, but be about a block down. Uh, I would say that Sam is mischaracterizing the response of neighbors up and down Sierra Avenue to the changes he made to the house. I happen to be the person on the block who's in touch with probably 50 neighbors or more. Universally, they are unhappy with what he's done to the house. As far as his characterization of simply having replaced windows, he didn't replace windows. He eviscerated the architecture of that house. It's a simple house. It doesn't have corbels. It doesn't have rafter tails. It doesn't have fascia board. What it had before Sam got a hold of it was seven beautiful pairs of French windows. Five of those pairs are gone. Two pairs remain on the front of the house, completely unrelated to other things that have been done to the house, including the very heavy porch that was added that is supported by, the roof is supported by a completely inappropriate, maybe 10 by 10, soon to be stucco post. The post sits on what is characterized in the permit as one of the piers that you know maintains the architectural integrity of the house. Well, there are two piers. One of the piers is now the base of this bad column and the other pier is covered in stone and has the address. They bear no relationship to each other. They bear no relationship to any architecture of the house. My question for the planning department is, the applicant has four years to start construction with no limit to how long it can take him to do. And he can get extensions to the four year limit for starting. If he doesn't start in four years, what happens if he doesn't finish in 10 years? Do neighbors have any recourse? Does the city have enforcement plans? And also, I see that the city can review this project at any time and change. Is that a public process? Will we have any say in that? I feel like this is just this permit is unenforceable and kind of meaningless at this point. Thank you. Thank you, Madeline. Uh, Matthew. Yeah, hello. My name is Matthew. Uh, I'm, I'm We're the neighbors that Sam was referencing as hostile. And um, the reason I believe this is Sharon Beauregard. The reason I think he said that is because we got into a few back and forths with him for using our property um, for his building of the house without our permission. I came home one day and our driveway was front to back, two to three feet deep with dirt where he had dunk, dug a trench and thrown the dirt onto our driveway. So these are the kind of conditions that we've been living under. The other thing is my husband did submit a complaint back in 2020 that he was allowed to do construction at all. It was during the building moratorium and it wasn't 
um, fair to other um, construction going on in the area. But he proceeded anyway um, to do this code enforcement, then did nothing to stop him, but he continued. Go and so um, it, it's been a, a combination of uh, using uh, our property and leaving it not in the condition that it was when he uh, trespassed onto it to use it. That is um, uh, changed uh, our feelings about his development when originally he told us he was going to be moving into the house himself. And we let him use our property for a few things that we thought he needed to get done. So did want to address that fact. And then uh, in addition, we wanted to ask how they came up with the two feet um, setback along our driveway, because there is actually a fence line that runs to the left of the driveway. Thank you, Matthew and Sharon. Supposed to have, do we have any additional commenting parties? No, we do not. Okay. Thank you. So at this point, the public uh, hearing is closed and I will ask staff to respond to the issues that have been raised um, uh, after which we'll call the applicants to make. Excuse uh, me, sir. I have some response. Uh, I would like to uh, have staff make a uh, respond first before we go to, uh, we okay. come to you, Sam. Okay. Alex, do you have any responses to or any reaction to that? Uh, yes, I do. Thank you. Um, so to begin, I, I guess I'll like to address Matthew's comment about the two foot setback uh, in relation to the driveway. Um, looking at the history of the property on other building permits uh, and other city approvals, there is a two foot side setback to that driveway. Now, whether or not it is actually two foot, it, it, it's up to the architect or designer to you know, display their uh, plans to us accurately. I have mentioned to Matthew, I believe in the past, that uh, you know, a survey or land surveyor may need to be needed to you know, provide the most accurate, defensible uh, property line information on that. Uh, now, also when it comes to enforcement, Madeline had mentioned that um, you know, the, the permit has a four-year uh, window that they could begin construction. There is a limit to how many times that they could, uh, you know, request an extension to that. And, you know, before they would have to restart the process again. Essentially, uh, from a code enforcement department perspective, uh, we're going to be monitoring this very closely to ensure that the code case does get closed. This is just one part of the step through planning. They'll have to also go through building. Um, and then once everything is finally approved, we would close it out and the code case would be closed. Uh, if it doesn't get across that finish line, then it could continue to be a code case. There could be fines and fees attached to it. Um, and then if the permit expires uh, because they didn't complete all of the necessary steps, then they would have to begin the process again. And the permit itself is about a $9,000 permit. It's not inexpensive by any means, and then they would have to pay that fee again and go through this process all over. Um, and then when it comes to the historic character, I believe Dana is on here. Dana, do you have any comments on that? Uh, sir, uh, is for me? Sam, Sam, can you please hold on? We'll get to you, yeah, please. Yeah, I, I just sent another email to the Alexander. So please uh, check. 
All right, Sam, yeah, please hold on. I'll call you when it's your turn, okay? Uh, now we, we do have city staff responding to the issues that have been raised regarding your project. Okay. Dana, can you go ahead? Good morning, Mr. Hearing Officer. Dana Peak, Historic Preservation Officer. Um, morning, this, Dana. This morning, um, this permit's been thoroughly reviewed um, by myself um, with um, Alexander. We have gone through all of the relevant um, provisions in the year old house guidelines um, with the, the purpose of permits in historic districts or conservation areas is to uh, guide change in a manner that's compatible with the buildings. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that no changes can be made. Um, we don't stop buildings in time so, you know, that they they have to look exactly as they were. Um, the guidelines help with compatible roof forms, compatible materials, um, scale, um, and other features. And we've gone through uh, each of those guidelines, and the findings have been made uh, in the permit that's uh, available. And... Um, so we have we've done a thorough review from a historic preservation standpoint. Thank you, Dana. So now we can go to the applicant. Sam. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, go ahead and. Uh, yeah, I just I just send another email to the Alexander about the respond and the neighbor. Okay, I, I can read that too. I, I do have it here, uh, hearing officer. Thank you, sir. If that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead, Alex. Okay. So again, this is a letter from Sam I'm reading on his behalf. Um, it says, I believe my neighbor's motivation for reporting to the city government isn't to preserve the historic district, but rather driven by personal reasons. The fact that my house has undergone renovations for many years and only took action this year is the strongest evidence of this. Uh, since I moved to this neighborhood, I've consistently felt uh, unfriendliness towards me. There was an incident where the neighbors uh, shouted at me for a car parked in their driveway, but later discovered it was their own worker's car, yet they didn't apologize. Uh, my house is situated within less than two feet from the property line, making construction in such a narrow space exceptionally challenging. Uh, therefore, I've previously requested permission from my neighbors to perform house maintenance and repairs in that area. Um, but they've employed various tactics to create difficulties, uh, intentionally parking their car near his house, uh, obstructing the driveway. And they've warned me and my workers not to approach the property, threatening to call the police, even use a, a stick to hit the lights on my house's exterior wall. Um, and on one occasion, they took a package from my doorstep without permission. And that, that concludes the letter. Thank you. Thank you, um, Alex. And uh, I see Kristen has a hand up, but Kristen, you have already spoken. That is fine. I think we, we get a big picture over here. So uh, that is fine. So again, the public comment period is closed. And uh, I believe I do have enough information here. Uh, the project as it stands is a code enforcement project, and it is to bring it up to code. Uh, 
our historic preservation officer, who is an expert in that area, has thoroughly reviewed it and it meets all the requirements from a historic preservation standpoint. Uh, staff thoroughly reviewed this and it also meets all land use planning, land use and planning uh, policies and requirements for the city. So the project by itself, uh, as a stance, meets uh, all the city policies and requirements. So uh, that alone warrants uh, approval. However, there are there seem to be an underlying issue with the neighbors and the applicant and how. So my recommendation to the applicant is to basically be a good neighbor, uh, reach out to uh, the 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 neighbors and make make sure that. Uh, things are done amicably. Uh, the neighbors as well who have raised concerns. This is actually a code enforcement issue that the city is dealing with. So the city staff and code enforcement staff in particular will ensure that uh, when it comes to the project itself, every requirement from a mitigation measure standpoint, code requires requirement standpoints are definitely enforced. Uh, my recommendation is anything is being done out of the ordinary. I hear accusations here and there, but unfortunately, this is not part of the project. Uh, if law enforcement comes in, that is fine. But for this project in particular, it meets all the city requirements. And so I will go ahead and approve it. The other issues, I believe, can be resolved outside of the planning process. Uh, so on that note, Item number 4B, SF 23-016 and ER 23-231 is hereby approved. Thank you, support staff, for showing that on the screen. We will now move on to item number 4C, H21-050, H22-001, H22-012 and ER21-297. This is a site development permit, specifically for H21-050, to allow the demolition of four residential buildings, a 12-unit multifamily residential building, a 28-unit multifamily residential building, and two single-family residences, totaling 42 units, and removal of 10 trees, two ordinance size and eight non-ordinance size, and for the construction of a six-story mixed-use building with up to 235 units, which are 100% affordable and approximately 820 square feet of commercial space and associated basement, garage, parking, landscaping, and amenities located on an approximately 1.49 gross acre site. The project utilizes the state density bonus law for its parking ratio and to exceed the allowed height. The state density bonus law provisions are granted including one waiver, which is unlimited density, and four concessions, including floor area ratio, building step-downs, minimum width of private open space and common open space. This also includes the site development permit specifically for H22001 to allow the removal of 11 trees, one ordinance size and 10 non-ordinance size, and construction of six-story mixed-use building with up to 45 units. Again, this is 100% affordable and approximately 2,454 square feet of commercial space with associated parking and landscaping located on an approximately 0.52 gross acre site. This project utilizes the state density bonus law to exceed the allowed height, and state density bonus law provisions are granted, including three concessions requirements for 
commercial space, building step-downs, and common open space. The project also includes a site development permit specifically for H22-012 to allow the removal of five ordinary size trees and the construction of four 10-story mixed-use buildings with combined total of up to 633 units, 20% affordable, uh, coming up to 127 units, dead restricted units, and approximately 11,437 square feet of commercial space with associated parking and landscaping located on an approximately 2.79 gross acre site. State density bonus law provisions are granted, including two waivers that are commercial floor area ratio, orientation of residential units along five wounds trail, and two concessions, maximum height reduction in vehicle parking, located at 1298 Trip Avenue, 341 and 345 Worcester Avenue, 380 North 26th Street, 1325 East Julian Street and 1347 East Julian Street within the city's council district three. Staff recommendation is the consideration of the initial steady mitigated negative declaration for the Julian and Trip mixed use development project in accordance with CEQA and approval of the three site development permits as described. At this point, I'll call on Jason Lee Again, Jason, <laughs> to make a presentation on the project. All right. Uh, good morning again, hearing officer, uh, Jason Lee again, project manager for the Julian and Tripp Mixed Use Development Project. Um, good morning again, Jason. Good morning. So um, I think this, oops, the sum total here is um, three site development projects permits to build up to 913 housing units and approximately 14,500 square feet of commercial space across three sites in the Five Wounds Urban Village. Um, just in advance, the applicant team for this project is going to be Lorda Kirky, um, Kurt Anderson, and Eric Schenauer. Um, so this is the site of the three projects. H21050 is the brown parcel. H22012 is the orange parcel, and H22001 is the blue parcel here. Um, and these are the three projects um, being considered at this time. Uh, this project was evaluated with respect to the state density bonus law and other state laws, the general plan, the Five Wounds Urban Village Plan, the Municipal Code, the Citywide Design Standards and Guidelines, City Council Policies, and CEQA. As each of these three projects have affordable components, the city must grant certain automatic provisions, such as height increases and parking ratios, as well as substantiated concessions and waivers under the state density bonus law which allows the project to move forward despite not complying with the urban village plan, municipal code, or citywide design standards. Additionally, the city has adopted exception criteria for the citywide design standards, which allows projects to be accepted from design standards if certain findings are made. Um, the first project is H21050, which is a 100% affordable mixed use, 235 unit mixed use building on Tripp Avenue, North 26th Street and Wooster Avenue. The site has a general plan designation of mixed use neighborhood and as a housing project subject to a state law AB 3194, the entire site is treated as if it were in the MUN mixed use neighborhood zone. 
The project meets the MUN setbacks and uses provisions in state law to increase the density from 30 or 35 dwelling units per acre to 157.7 dwelling units per acre. Increase the allowed floor area ratio or FAR from 2.0 to 3.19 and increase the height from 45 or 50 feet and four stories to 65 feet and six stories. The project also excuse me, Jason. I don't know whether it's me, but I can't hear you properly. Can you check your volume or oh, I'm sorry. I moved this up after the last one and I didn't move it back down. Do you need me to repeat we'll anything? Now. Yep. Okay. Do you need me to repeat anything or I believe you're fine. Go ahead. Okay. Um the project uses a state density bonus law parking ratio and section 20.90.220.0 dot a dot one of the former parking code to reduce parking 87 residential and three commercial parking spaces are provided below grade um, the project meets a private open space requirement but uses state law to reduce the amount of common open space and the dimension of private open space um, and the project has also been granted a concession for a step down requirement adjacent to single family houses in the five wounds urban village uh, this project also has five exceptions from citywide design standards regarding the distance between curb cuts and building entrances on Trip Avenue, the location of required bicycle parking, step back plane encroachment from the Trip Avenue right of way, the height of the commercial space, and the provision of common open space. Uh, the second file is H22-001, a 100% affordable 45-unit mixed-use building at 1347 East Julian. This site has an urban... Uh, has sorry the site has a general plan designation of urban village and residential neighborhood and is treated as if it were in the uv urban village and r18 single family residential zones under ab 3194 the building is almost entirely in the uv de designated parcel with only a negligible portion of the building containing hallways and egress and parking incidental to the project in the r18 zone the project meets the required density, FAR, setbacks, and private and common open space requirements of the UV zoning district and bicycle and motorcycle parking requirements of the zoning code. The project uses provisions of state law to lower the commercial FAR requirement from 0.75 to 0.22 and increase the height from 35 feet to 68 feet and six stories. The project satisf satisfies the transportation demand management requirements of the current parking code as it meets the 25 point threshold through its parking ratio of 0.47 spaces per unit or 21 surface parking spaces, unbundled parking and affordable housing. Um, as mentioned, the project also received concessions for the step down requirement adjacent to single family houses and for the common open space requirements of the citywide design guidelines. The last file is H22-021, a 20% affordable development with four 10-story buildings containing 633 units at 1325 East Julian. The site has a general plan designation of urban village and is treated as if it were in the UV urban village zone under AB 3194. The project meets the required density, FAR, setbacks, and private and common open space requirements of the UV zoning district and commercial and bicycle parking requirements of the zoning code. The project uses provisions in state law to lower the commercial FAR requirement from 0.75 to 0.09, a concession to increase the height from 60 feet to 97 feet, and uses a combination of the standard state density bonus parking ratio and a concession to reduce parking to 159 residential spaces. All residential and most commercial parking is provided in a below grade parking garage. 
The project has received a waiver to allow for ground floor residential units to not be oriented towards the Five Wounds Trail and exceptions from four citywide design standards regarding the location of required bicycle parking, ground floor commercial space depth facing East Julian, and the amount of common and private open space. This project also includes a privately owned public open space, a POPOS, in the rear of the lot. Um, more details on state density bonus law provisions, including concessions and waivers and citywide design exceptions for all projects were posted in the draft permits and linked from the agenda. Um, I'd now like to hand it over to Tina Garg, the environmental project manager, um, to go over the environmental review. Thanks, Jason. Good morning, hearing officer and everybody morning, on the Tina. call. This is Tina Garg. Um, I'm on the city's environmental review team and I'm the CEQA project manager. An initial study mitigated negative declaration was prepared for uh, a, a common initial um, CEQA document was prepared for all the three projects because of the timing of the project and their proximity. And it was uh, the initial study mitigated negative declaration was circulated for public comments and review from October 13, 2023 through November 7, 2023. Five Formal comment letters and emails were submitted from Valley Water, PGNE, VTA, Caltrans, and a member of the public. The comments generally concerned water conservation measures, flood zone, utility relocation protocols, traffic, bicycle and vehicle parking, pedestrian crossings, and recommendations on intersection improvement options. The comments received did not result in any substantial changes to the project description or impact analyses. Additionally, none of the comments identified any new impacts that were not studied or disclosed in the ISMNT. These comments were addressed by staff in a formal response to comments document that was posted on the city's website on November 17th um, under the project's environmental review documents list. This initial study mitigated negative declaration concluded that with implementation of the mitigation measures and city standard permit conditions, the project would not result in any significant and unavoidable impacts on the environmental resources under CEQA. Analysis in the initial study mitigated negative declaration found that impacts related to construction air quality and health risk, um, biological resources, cultural and tribal resources, hazards and hazardous materials, and construction impacts to noise and vibration would be less than significant. The project's mitigation monitoring and reporting program includes these mitigation measures with uh, uh, identifying uh, the timing of all those mitigation measures when that would be implemented. And uh, these mitigation measures are in line with the city's uh, city standard measures that we implement on projects with similar impacts. That concludes my presentation. Thank you, hearing officer. Thank you, Tina. Okay, thank you. Um, so, for this project, staff followed City Council Policy 6-30 for public outreach. This is also a large development project under the council policy. So a joint committee meeting on these projects was held on May 8th, 2023. On-site signs were posted on each of the project frontages in the spring of 2022. And this hearing was noticed at a radius of 1,000 feet from all sites. Therefore, uh, staff recommends that the director consider the ISMND for this project and the related MMRP and approve three site development permits. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. At this point, uh, I see the project applicant is online. 
Good morning, Kurt. Would you like to uh, say anything regarding the project? Morning, morning, hearing director and uh, staff and everybody else on the call. At this point, I'd like to, we'll reserve our comments till after the public uh, comment period, but we'd like to uh, really extend our appreciation to the staff and all the people involved in this project. It's complicated. There's three site development permits, Tina, Jason, Laura, all the people that helped us get to this point. So we greatly appreciate everybody's efforts. We're glad to be here and we're looking very uh, uh, forward to uh, getting this in approval so we can get this project moving forward because it's going to provide a lot of affordable housing that's desperately needed in the city. So um, other than that, I'll just uh, I'll uh, hold my comments till uh, after the comment period. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Anderson. Support staff, uh, let's go to the public. I do see one hand up, and if you've been contacted to, let's go through the public commenting parties. Okay, um, just a second here. Wow. Okay, two, if you could unmute your device. You are unmuted. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes. All right, thank you. Uh, so I have comments on the uh, Julian Street developments, right? The uh, one three four seven and one three two five. So I see the the layout. Uh, it looked good in terms of uh, structure, but uh, one of the comments that I want to add here is I think I um if you look at the map. Is anybody can show the map, uh, Google Maps, okay? The place, uh, if you can, please. You know, there's a strip, right? Um, you know, like we live below the traffic road, like where all the dust hazard, uh, like being injected to the residents around area. I don't know, have you guys studied about that? Because the Julian Street is high level, high elevated street. There's a huge dust being fly into residence, right? So in terms of, uh, if you add, I'm not again any about uh, the development, but uh, if you can add more trees or even the wall to protect from resident, from hazarding, from the dust, Right. Uh, I don't know. You got me. Uh, you got the, what I'm saying, or any confusion about that? And uh, second one is uh, one three two five. Right. I see in the back of uh, the lawn, the end of the the land. There is uh, in the back of that. There's a small park. I forget. Is the Hesedon Park or something? Would it be possible? Can you make a gate from there? So the resident on that unit can access to the park. Thank you too. Can we move on to the next public speaker? Yes, Daniel, go ahead. Hi, good morning, everyone. Can you hear me okay? 
Yes, we can, Daniel. Great, thanks. Um, just one question. Have any studies been done on mitigating the increased traffic flow in the area? Um, right now, we do have traffic at certain times of the day, which is um, extremely difficult to get around. And I would imagine the increased uh, traffic flow would happen with the uh, building of these new units. Um, so just wondering if that's been looked into, and if not, if uh, that can be done. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. So first off, do we have any additional commenting parties? We do not. Thank you. So the public comment period is now closed and I will ask staff to respond to the concerns raised by the commenting parties. Hi, hearing officer, this is Tina Gerg, environmental Thank project you. manager. Um, just to con just to make sure I understand the comments raised were regarding uh, the dust hazards and then mitigating traffic flows. I'm going to speak about, uh, about the dust uh, mitigation measures. So the initial study does include technical analysis uh, that was done for air quality emissions, both from construction and operation. Mitigation measures are included in the project that would require the applicant to, um, uh, to provide some kind of a plan uh, and in have some measures such as uh, installing windbreaks uh, or uh, like a vegetative ground cover during construction and also the, uh, having like a construction equipment there's a requirement for for construction equipment being uh, either um, uh, meeting the tier 4 emissions uh, or uh, if that um, if those are not available then emission standards for tier 3 engines um, that include um, like um, particulate matter emissions control equivalent to carb level three. So there are mitigation measures that would reduce those um, impacts from dust to the surrounding sensitive receptors to less than significant. With regard to mitigating traffic flows, under the new CEQA guidelines, uh, level of analysis is no, not a CEQA threshold anymore. And the, the way to evaluate traffic impacts is through vehicle miles traveled which is the new metric. Um, this project site is within a, has a low, it's, it, lies in a, it lies in an area with the low vehicle miles traveled um, uh, threshold, below the threshold for a VMT. And so there are no mitigation measures that are required for um, mitigating any traffic, traffic flows. And um, the applicant, oh, sorry, the commenter also mentioned something about uh, installing a gate to the park. This is not really an environmental concern. I Maybe I'm hoping the applicant can speak to that. Thank you, Hearing Officer. Yeah, thank you, Tina. I also see that we have uh, public work staff here. So, uh, Tina, although there aren't any traffic impacts from the VMT uh, standpoint, if public works can also throw more light on what was done as part of the traffic uh, analysis and whether there are any public improvements or anything like that too, that would be good. I see public staff, public work staff here. Yes. Uh, yes, I can add to that. Thank you, hearing officer. Um, yes. So uh, while uh, all these projects are screened out from BMT analysis, all three projects will be required to provide monetary contribution towards a, a future city improvement. Uh, the city plans on making significant geometric changes uh, to the East Julian uh, between 101 and North 26th Street. Uh, 
Um, and that includes squaring of some geometry, uh, signal modifications, and removing portions of the East Julian Street uh, frontage road, uh, and a lot of signalized intersections in the area to help improve uh, the current traffic issues we have in that area. Um, and then as far as street improvements go, um, all projects will be uh, providing new sidewalks and uh, as well as um, uh, new crosswalks and bulb outs at some of the uh, project corners in an effort to make it more pedestrian friendly as well. Thank you, Jose. Mm -hmm. So at this point, uh, does the applicant wish to make any additional um, presentation or comments? Yes, I would. Um, again, I'd like to thank the staff and, and all the input they've just added to the, to the presentation. As far as access, direct access to rear yard, that would have to be decided by the O, but I just see that as a potential liability issue. And I, I would highly recommend that we don't do that, but uh, I don't think that's appropriate at this particular location. Regards to all the other items, agree with what Tina and Jose has said. And again, thanks to the staff and all the hard work everybody got us to get to this point. And at that point, Aaron Officer, I respectfully request an approval so we can go to the next step. Thank you, Mr. Anderson. Uh, so yeah, I haven't heard from uh, staff on this and also uh, the commenting parties in addition to the applicants. Uh, this is a very good project. The, the city is in dire need of affordable housing and housing in general. So this is a good project that meets all the requirements. Uh, the concerns that have been raised with regards to uh, air quality and traffic have already been addressed. This, these are three different projects, but one environmental documentation, which is an initial study mitigated negative declaration was prepared for it, looking at it in totality, which is the right thing to do. So all impacts have been mitigated and all the concerns has, that have been raised here too have been fully addressed already. So on that note, item number 4C, H21-050, H22-001, H22-012, and ER21-297 is hereby approved. And I'll wait for support staff to show that on the screen. Thank you, support staff. And as shown on the screen, item number 4C is approved. We will now move on to item number 4D, which is our last item on the public hearing. So item number 4D, PDA 20-006-01 and AR 23-016 is a planned development permit amendment to build and trade in the El Paseo de Saratoga and 1777 Saratoga Avenue mixed use village signature project. The amendment will reduce the height of building three to one story with 58,370 square feet of commercial space and allow the reconfiguration of the underground parking garage on an approximately 10.6 cross acre site located on both sides of Saratoga Avenue, north of Lawrence Expressway and Quito Road specifically 1312 El Paseo de Saratoga within the city's council district one. Staff recommendation is the consideration to the addendum 
uh, to the 1312 El Paso and 1777 Saratoga Avenue Maze Use Village Project Environmental Impact Report in accordance with CEQA and approval of the Plan Development Permit Amendment. At this point, I would like to call on the project manager, Alec Atienza, to make a presentation of the project. Alec. Officer, let me go ahead and share my screen quick. I'm just going to pull up the site plan so we can orient ourselves. Oh, just kidding. It says I cannot share screen. Danielle, can you Cross let me? Off, can you please make that? I got it now. Can you all see the site plan? Yes, we can. Love it. Okay. Last but not least, uh, good morning, everybody. My name is Alec Atienza, and I'm the planning project manager on the development review team for this project. Uh, so the project before you this morning, as the hearing officer mentioned, is a plan development permit amendment to building three within the previously approved 1312 El Paseo de Saratoga and 1777 Saratoga Avenue mixed use village signature project. For short, we just call this the El Paseo project. Um, so just as a bit of background, on June 21st of 2022, the City Council approved a plan development zoning and plan development permit that would allow the construction of four mixed-use buildings consisting of 994 multifamily residential units and approximately 165,000 square feet of commercial space. So you can see those four buildings here on the site plan. Uh, today, we're just dealing with Building 3. This is the, the northernmost building on the El Paseo Shopping Center site. So this plan development permit amendment allows changes to building three, um, and it includes the removal of residential uses from the building, reduction in height from 11 stories to one story, uh, and the reconfiguration of the previously approved underground parking garage. So the revised building is a 58,735 square foot commercial only building, and that will include the previously approved Whole Foods grocery store, as well as additional retail space surface parking, underground parking, walkways, and landscaping. Uh, this project also includes the construction of the Main Street portion of the project, which was previously approved with, within the larger uh, signature project. So as previously stated, this project is located within a planned development zoning district, um, and that was created to facilitate the redevelopment of this larger project. Uh, so within the entire planned development zoning district, this project is required to provide 127,500 square feet of commercial space and a minimum residential density of 55 dwelling units per acre. So an important thing to understand here is that subsequent phases of this project will be required to provide a total of 68,765 additional square feet of commercial space, um, as well as an additional uh, residential density of 55 dwelling units per acre. So that will need to be dispersed throughout the remainder of the site. Uh, so this project does conform with all required heights, setbacks, parking standards, as well as architectural and site design guidelines of this plan development zoning district. Um, in addition, the project complies with the general plan designation of regional commercial. So the proposed grocery store and retail uses are consistent with a regional commercial land use designation. With regards to public outreach, this project is consistent with City Council Policy 6-30. Uh, we installed on-site signs in the project frontage. And we also held a community meeting via Zoom on September 5th of this year. And this hearing today was noticed at a radius of 1,000 feet. The environmental impacts of the project were addressed in an addendum to the 1312 El Paseo and 1777 Saratoga Avenue Mixed Use Village Project 
final environmental impact report. And that was also certified by city council on June 21st of 2022. Uh, no new or more significant impacts beyond those identified in the certified EIR have been identified with this project, uh, nor have any new mitigation measures or alternatives been identified. The project will not result in a substantial increase in the magnitude of any significant environmental impact previously identified in the certified EIR. And therefore an addendum is the appropriate level of clearance for this project. Uh, so I'd like to call on Nu Nguyen, the environmental planning manager, and she's just gonna discuss um, the CEQA process a little bit further here. Thank you, Alec. Thank you, Alec, uh, and good morning, hearing officer. Uh, my name is New Environmental Planner with um, Planning, Building, and Code Enforcement. Um, staff has received a letter, um, a comment letter on the addendum from Mark Wolf on Monday afternoon, November 27th. And staff has sent a response letter to Mr. Wolf yesterday, November 28th, but would also like to verbally respond to the comment letter for the record today. Um, so the commenter stated that the reference to Public Resources Code Section 21167.3 in Section 1 of the addendum related to responsible agencies does not apply to the City of San Jose, who is the lead agency for the project. And so the city concurs with Mr. Wolf's statement that the reference was incorrect, and staff would like to note that the addendum has been revised to remove that language, and the revised addendum has been posted to the city's website yesterday. Um, removal of the language does not change the city's conclusion that the addendum is the appropriate um, CEQA document, I mean, the appropriate, yeah, CEQA document for the project because none of the conditions in section um, 15162 of the CEQA guidelines requiring preparation of a subsequent or supplemental EIR um, applies to the project. And additionally, no injunction has been filed to prohibit the city from proceeding with the project and the city can rely on the addendum and the underlying um, FEIR as compliant with CEQA. And this concludes staff report. Thank you. Thank you, Anu. At this point, I would like to call on the applicants if if they do have any uh, comments of yeah. our presentation. Thank, yeah, thank you, Mr. Herring Officer. Eric Shainauer, um, representing the applicant. Uh, first of all, we would like to thank staff for all of their work actually over the years uh, bringing this project uh, forward and specifically the efforts to um, uh, to bring this amendment forward so that we can get the project funded and under construction. Uh, the overall project concept has not changed from what the city council has approved. The general layout and scale of the project overall will remain um, uh, comparable to what the city council uh, previously approved. As staff pointed out, the project will continue to be a mixed-use development that that meets or exceeds the minimum densities required for residential and the commercial square footage within the overall project. And the two most um, um, important components of the project for public for the public are the retail main street, which is uh, still the same retail main street that we proposed uh, previously and the city council approved, as well as the public park um, in the south west corner of the site. Uh, in fact, uh, I believe that the public park square footage has, has actually increased a tad since the city council approval. So because the project is conforms to all city policies, is consistent with 
All of the adopt city council adopted development standards for height, setback, use, et cetera. Um, we hope that staff will um, uh, approve the project. And the remaining of my time, I will save to respond to any public comments. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Shenawa. Support staff, at this time, can we go to the public? And I do see a few hands raised. Uh, Shreya, go ahead and unmute your device. Hello. Uh, good morning. This is uh, Shreya Choksi. I'm the manager of development projects at Catalyze SV. Our members for this project uh, four on five in October of 2020. It's been three years and we believe uh, redeveloping a shopping plaza with a new single story building on one part of the project is not the best and highest use of land. However, our members support this project and we urge you to consider approving the recommendation swiftly as it will expedite the development process and enable us to address the critical housing needs of our community. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Chokshi. Melissa, go ahead and unmute your device. Hi, yeah, this uh, is like a question for the planning staff, just as a lay person who lives directly behind the proposed development and um, has been informed and, and following it for years. Um, it's very confusing how this one piece has been broken off from a much larger, wider project that was initially presented to our neighborhood and has been presented over the years as um, kind of a, a single project. Um, although, you know, with the additional project um, building across the street from it, and we've been weighing it as, as a full project. And, um, you know, our main concern has been as a neighborhood has been the height of the proposed building. So, you know, thrilled that this one building is being brought down to one story, but you know, it's been raised um, earlier by members of our neighborhood, the concern of it's it's unclear how, you know, the impact of, of lowering the story of this one building might, you know, affect the other buildings. And we've been assured that it's not going to change, but there's really have been no, um, nothing brought forward. And I'm just trying to, I'd like to understand from the planning staff how it's in the best interest of the public and people who live in the neighborhood um, to pull this one little piece off from the project and, and not have it weighed as a whole. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Amy? Deputy Director Manford, I'm Amy Cody, a resident of the Moreland West neighborhood, which is located across the street. Good morning, Amy. Hi, from the El Paseo de Saratoga Shopping Center. My neighborhood association was one of eight surrounding the project site that strongly supported limiting building heights to eight stories to avoid overdevelopment and unduly adding to traffic congestion in the Westgate area, which is bordered by the cities of Saratoga and Campbell and limited to bus service. While I don't oppose the shrinking of an 11 story tower, I wonder how building three's dramatic loss of residential units and parking spaces will impact the rest of the site. What is the price of relocating more than 200 apartments to already massive nine, 10 and 12 story buildings? To answer that question, we would need to see the revised plans for the entire site, for those have not been shared publicly. When the addendum to the FEIR from the addendum, we understand that to redistribute 239 residential units, the applicant will lower the ceiling heights, change the mix of unit types to include more studios and one bedroom units and decrease unit sizes. 
which raises several questions that I submitted in writing earlier this morning. Some are, with the loss of larger two and three bedroom units, how will the mix change? Will there be fewer families? Is there a new tenant estimate or is it still 2300? What is the amendment, amended project's parkland obligation and how will it be met? What is the new parking ratio per unit? The approved PD permit included 994 apartments. That plan showed 206 residential units in building three. Yet the addendum to the FEIR moves 239 residential units from building three. Where did this higher number come from? Similarly, while the city council approved 994 units, a recent Merck News article stated that at present, the redevelopment of the project would produce 1,100 residential units. Which number is correct? The PD permit application plan set from July clearly shows the vehicular road roadway and counts the parking spaces along the main street area adjacent to Whole Foods. Does this mean that area no longer Thank you, Amy. That concludes our speakers. Thank you, support staff. At this point, I would like to call on uh, staff to respond to the various issues raised by the commenting parties. Alec? Sure. So first, I can respond to um, some of the issues that Melissa raised. Uh, so I guess one of the questions was, the process for breaking off um, the plan development permit into, I guess, multiple permits, which is the process moving forward. Uh, so in June of 2022, City Council did approve both a plan development zoning district. So that covers the entire larger project area, as well as a plan development permit. Um, as part of that plan development zoning, it it did allow for, uh, you know, the phased development of the project. Um, however, the applicant at the time chose to, you know, move forward with one single plan development permit to um, basically construct the entire project. Obviously, it would still be constructed in phases for such a large project. Um, but nevertheless, one permit was approved to um, cover the entire project itself. Uh, since then, uh, they've decided that they would like to, you know, basically break it up piece by piece, um, make some changes to the project, specifically only to building three at this moment. Um, and the plan development zoning district does allow for that to occur, um, as long as it's within the boundaries of the allowed uses of the plan development zoning district and it meets the development standards, um, you know, staff is willing to support that uh, type of development. Uh, so, that's, uh, I guess that's my point there for breaking the project up. And I can let um, the applicant also speak to that afterwards if they'd like. Um, and I'd also maybe want to address a couple of uh, Amy's questions and I'd call on David too, to potentially help me there as well. Um, with regards to redistributing units, again, it's similar to my past answer. So this plan development zoning has to provide a minimum residential density of 55 dwelling units to the acre. Whether or not it's within what building, um, it's it's not necessarily going to be something that um, you know staff staff necessarily worries about. Just as long as the project actually meets that residential density and that commercial requirement, um, so fifty five dwelling units to the acre for this site comes out to roughly five hundred ninety five units, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. Um, so absolutely, the number could could be lower than the 994 that were approved in the plan development zoning district as originally approved. Um, that's that's a cap. 994 is the maximum allowed. Um, and that was what was analyzed in the CEQA document. 
So any reference numbers going over, um, it would have to go through subsequent secret review because the environmental document only limits um, the number of residential units to 994. Um, I think that's about all I can answer there. Oh, one more thing about parkland dedication. So parkland fees, I think we have public works online as well, can only be accepted for residential projects only. So because this is commercial only, the applicant will not be paying parkland fees. Not until they come in for residential units will they um, pay for parks. Um, and I think Jose still on the line. If he can confirm that, that would be helpful. And I, I yield the rest of my time. Thank you, Alec. Uh, Jose, did you have anything to add to uh, Alec's uh, response? Uh, that confirmation, that is correct. We don't collect Parkland fees for commercial development. Thank you, Jose. At this point, I just wanted to check on the applicants to see whether they have any additional responses. Yes, Mr. Hearing, hearing Officer. I just wanted to reemphasize uh, staff's point on the process. So the city council adopted the rules of development for this site. And over time, uh, components of the project can come forward, but they must meet those rules. So there's no mystery here. Uh, the rules were adopted and there can be as many PD permits or PD permit amendments as needed to to revise the project, to make it feasible. Uh, it's a public process. So every time there's a PD permit amendment, um, we're gonna have a hearing like this <laughs> and people can have comments about it. So um, um, everything proposed now is consistent with the city council's adoption and everything that will be proposed in future phases and buildings will also be consistent with the city council approval, they have to be because it can't be approved otherwise. Um, I'll also note that um, for the buildings one and two uh, on this side of, of Quito and buildings four on the other side of Quito, that those, those building uh, permits will be coming forward in, in due time and there will be a public process for the review of those, including community meetings and public hearings. So we look forward to working with uh, Amy and Margaret and other neighbors to review those um, those revisions as they come forward. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Shainawa. Does staff have any additional responses or anything else from staff? Good. Mr. Keon, yes, um, go ahead. Robert Manford, David Keon, Principal Planner, Environment Review Team. I did want to mention just something real quick, because when the comment letter received this morning, um, one concern was raised also about cumulative impacts and why this project didn't include the Costco um, project and the housing element for Saratoga in it. I just want to mention, as, as mentioned and responded to in the comments on the final environmental impact report for this project back in 2022, um, this project was submitted and the notice of preparation for the EIR issued back in 2020. Um, the Costco EIR did not come in for over a year later in 2021, late 2021. Um, CEQA requires the environmental impact report for a project to study the environmental conditions at the time of application submittal or notice of preparation. Um, since this notice of preparation was issued a year prior to the Costco project even being submitted, there was no way that this 
project could evaluate or even anticipate those projects coming in. Therefore, this, this project, in accordance with CEQA, the EIR did evaluate all cumulative projects that were known at the time. Um, however, I will mention that the Costco EIR, because that, because that project came in after this project, that EIR will study this project as part of its cumulative impact analysis. So just want to be clarify that. And that again is clearly spelled out in the response to comments for the EIR for the El Paseo project. Thank you. Thank you for the clarification and uh, response in particular uh, to that cumulative impacts uh, issue. So at this point, yes, I think I do have enough information here. Uh, the project as it stands has already been approved previously by city council. This is just an amendment to an aspect or a component of it. And it has gone through all the necessary requirements uh, to get to this point. Uh, so uh, as we've gone through the, the process, each concern that has been raised to staff or any other entity as part of this project have been fully uh, addressed uh, from a sequence standpoint in terms of the appropriateness of an addendum to the impact on uh, residential units and why it's only an aspect of the shopping center is being addressed. Everything has actually been responded to fully. And again, an addendum to an EIR, to the previously prepared EIR is appropriate document. And so on that note, based on the evidence before me as we speak, uh, there is no question about the appropriateness of this project uh, in terms of CEQA and all the issues that have been raised. So on that note, again, item number 4DPDA20-006-1 and AR23-016 is hereby approved. I will wait for support staff to show that on the screen. As shown on the screen, item number 4D is hereby approved. We will now move to the next portion of the agenda, which is everybody's favorite. This concludes the planning director hearing of November 29, 2023. Thank you very much for coming and please be safe out there. This hearing is hereby adjourned at 10.38 a.m. Thanks again.